world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. This week on Parents Are Hard To Raise, Diane talks with Dr. Doug Oliver about an innovative program in Ontario, Canada that is bringing people, communities and healthcare teams together to help our aging parents stay healthier longer. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard To Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. Dr. Doug Oliver is an associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine at McMaster University in Ontario, Canada. His passion for elder care has led him to develop many innovative programs, including a community-based healthcare program called Health Tapestry which is aimed at promoting optimal aging for those people living out their lives in the community. It's a fantastic program, and he's here this week to tell us all about it. Dr. Doug Oliver, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thanks so much, Diane. Great to be here. So, Doug, tell us about the Tapestry Program. Well, Tapestry is a program that uh, starts with primary care in your family doctor's office. And it's uh, available and open uh, to people in a lot of communities here in Ontario um, for anyone over the age of 70 that wants to learn more about aging optimally in their own home. Um, that's a goal that many people have. And yeah. um, it involves a lot of different elements, this program. Um, it's about getting community involved um, with helping to support um, our older uh, adults in our communities. Uh, it's about primary care working in teams to sort of deliver care that's focused around a patient-specific goals. So, um, yeah, we're really, really excited about a number of partnerships, including with the Canadian Red Cross, who's the volunteer organization, um, partnering with us and going out into people's homes to um, help wow. support healthy aging. Yeah. How did this um, project come about? How did this program come about? Well, one of the impetuses for some of the original thinking was uh, in 2010, Canada hosted the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. And um, a number of individuals uh, in my department, um, a lot of people I work with now, were reading about the amazing volunteer outpouring huh. um, for an Olympic Games to be able to get 80,000 citizens to uh, volunteer for two weeks to, wow. help, <laughs> to help elite athletes come out. It really just um, made us think what would happen if we could tap into that volunteer spirit in our yeah. country. Uh, and actually help with um, with individuals that are uh, maybe struggling with different things in their own lives day to day, and and really help with our healthcare system. That's fantastic. When you think about all those volunteers, my gosh! So you use volunteers to reach out into the community. So tell us how that works. 
Yeah, so the volunteers, um, they're people from the community. We have students um, from McMaster University um, and other colleges and universities around Ontario that are stepping up to say, mm. you know, we're the next generation yeah. and, and we want to help the generation that came before us and, and learn more about those individuals. And we also have volunteers that are more experienced, more seasoned, retired nurses, retired teachers, retired paramedics, people that have an awful lot to, to continue to give. Um, so that's who the volunteers are. And um, they go out in pairs into my patients' homes and they ask them a whole bunch of information about what their goals are related to their health. Uh, so what matters to you is the yeah. question that we start with rather than what's the matter with you. Ah, great. So it's looking at the person, not the illness. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I love the, uh, you know, the college students because I love the intergenerational aspect of it as well as, you know, uh, retired teachers, nurses, I, everyone has so much to offer. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, your clients love the younger people coming and coming into their home and talking to them. Yeah, it's uh, it brightens their day. I mean, it's, um, it's amazing the change in the dialogue and the conversations that happen when, when people are coming into your home, right? You're more relaxed, yes. you're in your own space. Um, and, and these people are opening up yeah. often a heck of a lot more than they do when they come <laughs> in for a regular visit with me. Sure. Um, so the volunteers are learning some amazing things about these people's lives that, that I've, I, I've known these folks for, for 15, 16 years in my practice, but I'm getting to know them in a very different way yeah. uh, because of the way these conversations are structured in their home uh, and because of the amazing work that our volunteers are doing to, to bring that uh, information back to my clinic space so we can plan care in a different way. We're trying to innovate. We're trying to get away from just conversations about single diseases right. uh, and really looking, as you mentioned earlier, at, at whole people and what matters to them and, and what's important in their lives. I suppose, yeah, they would open up probably more and you probably would find out things that might be rel that probably are relevant to their care, but they m most likely would not have told you. Absolutely. And a perfect example of that uh, is bladder incontinence or bowel incontinence, right? People are um, sometimes um, yeah. embarrassed to bring that up to their doctor right. um, or to their nurse. Um, and it shocked us that they are willing to share this information with volunteers that are there. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, um, you know, prepared to ask them the questions and, and, and able to, to promise them that the care team is going to do something about it. We're actually there to help. And this is stuff that we can do uh, very effectively. Why do you think that is that they would share with the individual coming into their home as opposed to maybe telling you or? Yeah, part of it's a function of who these Red Cross volunteers are, you know, and how they approach. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting for a moment that I, pro I approach my work in a in an intimidating or threatening sure, way, no. but, uh, <laughs> but there is something more formal about booking an appointment to go see your doctor. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to imply that, that patients aren't opening up to me or no. other family physicians all across North America. They open up to us every day about important stuff. Um, but there's, there's just different layers and yeah. different nuances that we're learning about, about our patients um, that, that may not come up in the context yeah. of, a, of a regular 15 minute visit, right? So a 90 year old 
patients uh, who I've known for 15 years, you know, I, and I didn't know he was a Holocaust survivor. I didn't know what his teenage years were like yeah. uh, because oh. I spend all my time talking to him about other important things, sure. his diabetes, his blood pressure. But the volunteers got that on the first day and it has really added uh, an immensely important layer to my relationship with him and, and how we can continue to plan care. That's an example of some of the stories that we're hearing from, from physicians in this program and, and uh, other communities across Ontario. Uh, do do people open up uh maybe you know about falling in the home or uh... yeah i mean we ask specific questions about that so the volunteers are also um trained to do um some basic safety assessments and okay. one of the questions that we ask everybody is have you had a fall uh, in your home or anywhere in the last uh, 12 months and um, not surprisingly a number of individuals uh, have um, but didn't think it was important enough to bring up right. to their doctor in a, in, a, in a patient visit. But we, so when I say a number of people, I mean 30% of the, the patients that are going through our program have had a fall in the last year, which wow. is consistent with data across Canada and the U.S., yeah. right? Um, yes. For this age group. And, and a lot of people don't report the falls, but it's important to hear about it, even yeah. if there wasn't a catastrophic injury, because having had one fall is the number one predictor for having another one in the future. And so there's a lot of preventative proactive care that we can plan for that person to really make sure we prevent that next one if we know they've had one. No, and that's so important. I know with my parents, I'm on this um, road to both of them, you know, all these doctors, and they don't, I, I think they just tell the doctor what they think he might want to hear. You oh, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they don't tell the truth, you know, and I'm looking at them like, no, that's not right. You know, no, that didn't happen. No, you didn't eat that. No, you don't take the medication. Right. You know, and all these things. And I, 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 I do suppose, though, um, you know, when the physical therapist comes into the home, you know, with my mom or or um, the nurse, she sometimes will be a little more truthful, being yeah, in the comfort of their home, I guess. Exactly. And, and not only that, you can see the truth when you're in somebody's home. Right. Like right. The, yes. these volunteers are also eyes and ears for us. Right. You okay. know, they can see if there's a full pill pack on the on the kitchen table where the person's missed medications for the last week. Um, they can see if there are throw rugs all over the place and poor lighting that are going to increase the risk of falls. And like that's the stuff that, you know, as you said, they can come into my office and put on their best self yes. uh, and, and, and present <laughs> what they want me to hear. Um, but being in the home, um, and I should mention, I mean, I do a lot of house calls as well. I, I'm out there um, a half day every single week in the homes of, um, you know, patients that are uh, frailer and can't get into my office. Um, I mean, that's a big part of the work that we do here as well in our family health team. Yes. Um, but I can't see everybody, right? So sure. having these volunteers working as an extension of our primary care team, it's we're really just increasing the size of our of our of our workforce um, in healthcare, um, at a benefit to the volunteers and a benefit to our patients. And you know, here we have such a shortage of healthcare personnel, and this using volunteers, it, it's a fantastic program because yeah. you do have you know people being able to go out in the community, yeah, and be an extension of you where it's not someone who has that job. It's someone who wants to volunteer, you know, and give their time and be help helpful. Do you have that problem in Canada? 
Oh yeah, for you sure do. we do. I mean, um, you know, shortages of, and in particular home care. Yes. Um, it is hard to hire enough of a workforce yeah. uh, and be able to afford of enough of a workforce to be able to provide the care that a lot of our um, older adult uh, patients and citizens need in the home. So, yeah, it is it is a it is a similar problem uh, up here north of the border, and and I think it's important to emphasize too that programs like Health Tapestry, you know, these volunteers are not taking away paid jobs. No, um, they are adding to the work that 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 the rest of us are doing right in a in a new way. They're, yeah, they're adding they're adding value by by going out and having more proactive conversations with people. Let's not wait until. Um, until you've had that fall right. uh, to start and broken your hip, right? And now we're going to start talking about fall prevention. Like, let's get out there before you've had a crisis, when you're still doing fairly well on your own, and find out about your nutritional status and, and how socially activated you are and, and how much physical activity you're doing in your day. These are the types of things that our volunteers are getting at, and it's really allowing us to focus on preventative care. Yeah. How do you, how much training do the volunteers have? Do they? Yeah. So they go through two phases of training. Okay. Um, so they get trained fully um, by the Canadian Red Cross standards to be um, certified Red Cross volunteers. So they would be uh, able to go out uh, into disaster zones uh, if, if that was needed. Um, but then there's another um, full uh, day to a day and a half of a specifically health tapestry training around this program. Uh, to learn about um, uh, safety in the home, to learn about um, how to use the um, the iPads that are going out into the home and the and the different apps that we uh, that we use to ask the questions and gather information. So it's a pretty extensive training program. Um, all in, it would be probably two and a half days, and there's an online component as well. Um, yeah, so they're they're pretty they're pretty well pretty well trained and and they've been very very loyal. Amazing group of volunteers. They're the heart and soul of the program. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic! It's just it's wonderful. And we're going to continue talking with Dr. Doug Oliver. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise, and although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day, she was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? 
Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say... Alexa, play Parents Are Hard to Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku, and like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a favor. Share this new technology, help someone else learn about the show, and show them a new way to listen. So, Doug, I'm, I'm wondering, how um, would mom or dad become part of Health Tapestry? Well, uh, your mom and dad would have to move to Ontario. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying to my producer before, I wonder if my, I wonder if my mom and dad can go. <laughs> I'll mail them my card. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, our goal we're at we're at this interesting phase of the program where we're actually um, we have the luxury of being able to study it. We're having we have funding to do some randomized control trials and just make sure that it's really cost effective and that it's actually helping the people that we want to be helping. So it's, you know, it is a. Having said that, even though it's a research program, it is also a, a fully rolled out uh, program in six different communities in Ontario. So Hamilton, Ontario, which is where I'm sitting right now, is sort of ground zero for health tapestry. We've been running it here for about five years and. Um, you know, I've had probably in excess of 600 people uh, go through it from start to finish um, in that time. And, and they, um, you know, are just giving us an amazing gift of, uh, of their time and energy. I'm talking about the patients here as well, because they're, it's, it's their information that we're using to be able to study this and make sure that we can help people uh, the best way possible. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, basically in our site, uh, they can either self-refer, they can just come into their doctor's office and say, hey, I'd like to oh, uh, sign okay. up for Health Tapestry, um, or they can get a referral from their family doctor or anyone on their allied health team. Uh, so we have, I, I'm fortunate to work in a family health team with uh, pharmacists and physiotherapists and occupational therapists right in my building. So any of those folks can make a, make a referral for the program and, and they got a direct line to the Red Cross and they'll have people out in their house within a couple of weeks. Wow. That, I love the, I love the volunteer. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. I just, um, and and you're get you know they're staying in the community and they're they're living out their lives in the community so that's so important 
Yeah, one of the things we found the first um, randomized control trial, which we just published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal a couple of weeks ago, I mean, found that the care that these individuals are receiving did shift from, you know, less emphasis on hospital-based care and emergency room really? visits and yeah. more emphasis into our primary care setting, which, of course, is a more affordable um, and, and preferable way to receive your care if you don't have to be in the emergency yeah. department. Um, you know, let's find some way to keep you in the community. So that's what this is all about. And how do you get support from the communities to uh, support the older adults? Yeah, for this program, it, it is starting in every community we've been in um, with uh, primary care teams. So uh, groups of family doctors um, and their um, allied health uh, colleagues that, that want to participate. So they've signed up voluntarily. We, we reached out to, again, six different communities here in Ontario, and, um, and they all said, sign us up. We want to we wanna give this uh, program a try, and we want our patients to have access to it. So, and, then, and then the Red Cross side, uh, the Canadian Red Cross, uh, you know, they've, of course, got offices and, and a presence in almost every community in Ontario. So that's been a great connection for us to have. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been pretty, pretty amazing to see the level of interest and energy yeah. and enthusiasm around uh, wanting to help uh, the older generation who have given so much to, uh, to everything we do here in this country already. So it's, it's wonderful. So, um, so what have been the results of the program so far, the, the benefits to the patient? Yeah, I think the main one uh, was what we've seen so far, the signal that um, we had a reduction in hospitalizations and emergency room uh, visits uh, for patients that were participating in the health tapestry program. Um, we also found that the participants were getting more physically active, so they were spending less time uh, That's great. sitting on the couch each day yeah. and taking more steps uh, towards a, a physically active uh, lifestyle. So, um, I mean, those are and those are pretty significant findings, right? They were enough yeah. to get us to get us a second wave of funding um, from our provincial government uh, to be able to study this. And, and right now, it's really about can we replicate those results with a, with this next study that we're doing now? Um, and and equally importantly, can we spread it to other communities and have it stick? It's hard to get new programs to um, to spread and be sustainable right. um, if you don't have local champions. So that's been a lot of our focus is really getting the energy behind this uh, within these communities. And cost savings for the healthcare system is... Yeah, we're <laughs> hoping. I think it would be premature for me to say that... Um, that we actually have the data to say that we've that we're saving money, but yeah, on the first pass, it looks as though this has been a very, very affordable and cost-effective uh, strategy for um, helping to enhance the the care that uh, that people over 65, over 70 are already receiving. And what what do you say the average age is of uh, the people that you, you're dealing with? Yep. So it's uh, we have every everything from the range would be from seventy to just shy of a hundred. Wow. Uh, been in the program, um, and the average I think was around high seventy, seventy eight, seventy nine uh, okay. years of age. So, and you know, interesting. You know, I, I think there's a there's a big misperception out there that you know if you're seventy eight years old or seventy nine years old, then you must have some level of significant disability and that's actually not the truth in my country or yours right uh, you know the vast majority of individuals over 75 say that they're they're actually quite independent uh, and they're quite high functioning 
Um, but it's there is a significant minority that are also very very high users of the healthcare system, right? So right, yeah. we're actually targeting people that are that are currently doing pretty well at home on their own. Right. Uh, this program is targeting those folks upstream so that we can get all the things in place to to make aging as successful as possible yeah. for them and and really give them a chance to celebrate aging. Yeah, so they're not part of, you know, the statistics. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it's wonderful. And I, I think, um, you know, now you have healthcare teams, so there has to be a benefit of, you know, the pr- different professionals caring for the older adults at home. Absolutely. I mean, you're you're really striking on the next big benefit of this program, and it's it's the, that our healthcare teams have been able to come together uh, and really provide some great wraparound care for for people um, from a lot of different perspectives. As a family doctor, I'm trained to do um, a lot of things, but there are so many things that other people are more expert uh, and can handle very well. So if my patient is falling, uh, I mean, I can identify that, I can treat their injuries, um, but if I want them to get into some balance training and really prevent the next fall. I need the expertise from a physiotherapist or right. an occupational therapist. Um, and, and similarly, I can use the same example across the board. If I want to make sure my 80-year-old parents um, are eating well, right. um, I, I need a dietitian that's got expertise in, in nutrition and really maximizing and optimizing the calories for those individuals. Like It, it matters. Most people over 70 that are admitted to hospital are showing up malnourished, and they didn't know they were. And, yeah. and the sad part is they're getting discharged malnourished as well. Wow. So, we got to take care of this in the community and get some expertise going to make sure that people's nutrition is where it has to be. And, and this program's really, really trying to put the lens on that, among many other things. So if the volunteer, uh, the volunteer goes out and they fill out, I guess, questionnaire and, and get pertinent information and they can see the client in their home, and then it comes back to, does it, it comes back to a, a team? That's right. That's exactly how it happens. So okay. it's it's really technologically driven as well. So the volunteers are sitting in in the living room uh, of our patients with an iPad that has this the Tapestry app or the Tap app we call it already programmed on it. So they're running through the conversations. They're asking, um, doing surveys on nutrition and all the other thing, important things we've talked about. And after that one and a half or two hour visit, all that information gets sent back automatically to my electronic inbox in my office. So I I see it within a week. It's sitting there in a summarized report that I can now sit with my whole team um, and help to plan care for that patient around. And the very first thing on the top of the report that I get from these volunteer visits is what are the top three health-related goals that you have for yourself? And, and we're really getting to what matters to you. What are some things that you want to do with your life that right. you haven't had a chance to do? Um, what a great way to start the conversation. Yeah. And now, um, who who is part of your team? I, I, I guess physical therapy? Yeah, it's a great question. So we're, <laughs> we're really fortunate to have um, on my team here in Hamilton, um, we've got a clinical pharmacist who's really the, and, and we call this our tapestry huddle. So they meet every <laughs> week and they go through um, maybe five, six, seven reports that have come in from the previous week uh, and really have an hour, an hour and a half to do some, some deep dives into the patient's chart and then plan how we're going to 
reach back out to that patient and get back out to see them if we need to or have them come in for some very specialized things related to their own goals. So we have a clinical pharmacist, uh, we have a dietitian, an occupational therapist, physiotherapist, a social worker, uh, and uh, a nurse as well wow. that are on our huddle team. Do you find um, medications, you know, not taking them or not taking them properly um, a big problem? Yeah, there's two big problems with medications in this age group, and this will resonate with a lot of your listeners. I'm sure it'll resonate. My parents are probably a similar age to yours. I mean, one of the problems with medications um, is that patients forget to take them or yeah. take them at the wrong time. Yes. But there's another big, big problem that we call polypharmacy, which is that patients are actually continuously being prescribed too many medications right. that are that were started for a really good reason whenever they were started. Um, but a lot of medications become what we call legacy drugs, right? We just keep renewing them, keep prescribing yes. them. And individuals don't need them in the same way. They're not benefiting them in the same way as we get into our seventh, eighth, and ninth decade in life. So it's important to be able to sit with your team and have a conversation, whether it's your family doctor or your pharmacist, about, well, what do I still really need? Right. And, and why am I taking this? And, and wow, I can't believe how many side effects um, that I'm having from these drugs that I just became a part of my background and my baseline. I didn't even know it. So we spend a lot of time uh, de-prescribing medications in our patients in this age group because that ultimately can often lead to uh, healthier outcomes for people. Yeah. I, I mean, even, you know, falls. Oh, it's it's a huge, huge issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My dad, I, I recently uh, took him to a geriatrician who we had on the show, Dr. Lori Jacobs. Yeah, and um, I, I think she she got rid of five medications that he's been on. Right. And so important. Yeah. And he's been, uh, you know, unsteady on his feet and you know there were so many things going on and which you probably have seen as well you know he would go to just different doctors and didn't give all the right information you know so people different doctors didn't know what he was taking or so it becomes one big mess it's, it's and the communication piece is the is the trickiest thing all those doctors are really well-intentioned right? yes. they didn't they didn't go into work that day wanting to harm anybody no, no not <laughs> but, at all but they're prescribing a drug based on the one organ system that they're in charge of right yeah. um and it's going to help that organ it's going to help your heart it's going to help your liver it's going to help your your kidney but but we do need need a perspective that's that's from a higher level like that that has got got the whole big picture about well what are this patient's priorities and goals and you know what what is how are these medications interacting with each other um so you're you're painting a really really clear picture that i see every day in my work i look at some medication lists that patients are on in my practice even and i i look at them and say if i i'm 47 if i was taking these medications i'd be falling every week yeah, right like let's oh get you gosh. off some of this stuff yeah and, and and make some common sense out of this now doug how do people find out about uh health tapestry www.healthtapestry.ca is the website and uh, we're always open to any calls if you want any other information um, happy to hear from anybody thank you so much doug for Thanks, being Diane. here it's with been a pleasure us. it's been a pleasure i hope you got something out of this episode i know i did parents are hard to raise family i love getting your emails and questions so please keep sending them in parents are hard to raise is a counterthink media production the music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. 
And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. We love our parents, but parents sure are hard to raise. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.